just when you thought there was no hope for baby boomers. It's the Rational Boomer Podcast. Logic, common sense, compassion. Yeah, who knew? Now, here's Mike. We are back on the Rational Boomer Podcast. Hopefully your day is going well. Uh, We've got one of those special shows today. We've got a listener on the show. I love these shows best because they offer some great insights. They're very intelligent. And it's a much easier show for me to do. I have half the fucking work, and I'm all for that. On this show, we have Joe C. And um, Joe's been on the show before, and we welcome him back. We always have a good talk with Joe, either in email or on the show itself. So, Joe, thanks for coming back. Clearly, some of the stuff going on has has got you worked up a little bit about what's happening in this country and across the world, for that matter. Oh, thanks, Mike. Uh, It's a pleasure to be here again. I always, uh, you know, in my emails, I say I'm still listening to your your podcast. What what the fuck do you uh, mean by that? You're on the edge, pal, but I'm still listening. You fuck up one time. Uh, I'm going over to Joe Rogan. (laughs) I do listen to every once in a while, but not very often. Um, No, it's I just do that as kind of a poke in the ribs because you've commented on it before. So now I continue to say it just as a a humorous attempt. Um, But I I do love your uh, calm demeanor. As you're, even though you throw the swear words out there, I I say it all the time too, but that doesn't bother me at all. But you you remain calm and optimistic about things, and and I and I like and appreciate that a lot because it's so easy to be negative, right? With yeah, the the crap we see, and then um, it gets uh, it gets sad when we start questioning our um election system in certain states let's say and and all the junk going on and and just saying it's just it's just going to shit where you take a more calm approach and say yeah it may look shitty now but they're not going to win right and yeah. we, we will uh, persevere and we will we will win in the long run well you know it's not that i'm just uh always positive whether it's warranted or not uh I'm positive because I seem positive because the media and other people on social media love to wallow around in the negative because it causes more consternation. It causes more drama. And uh, they think that sucks people into consuming whatever product they have, whether it be social media or, or the, or the TV. And, And I'm a firm believer Having gone through 62 years of this life, I've seen plenty of bad things happen out there. But one thing I've found out is that no matter how bad it is, there's always an angle to fix it or get out of it. You just have to understand all the facts that are around this thing. And unfortunately, these people that want to talk negatively and uh, be doomsday folks, they only look at the negative and they don't look at all the facts. And, and I believe that if we have a positive outlook, we're more likely to get a positive return. If we're negative, that's what we're going to get. So if that's true, why be fucking negative? Well, right. If you if you try to take a logical approach to life, then you say, okay, I can't do anything. It's like looking in the rearview mirror. I can't do anything about what's happened. 
Right. Let's look through the windshield and say, where are we at? Where we want to go and how are we going to get there? So if we take that pragmatic approach to things, which I tend to do, then I'm always looking forward and saying, okay, well, what can I do? And then you focus on that. You lay out a plan and you do it. If that just means I'm going to vote next time for all Democrats or all independents or whatever it is, and I'm going to go out there and help promote voting for whatever this bill is or that and be an advocate of different things, then then maybe you can effect change, right? But just sitting there and saying, I can't change the world, therefore I'm never going to vote again, right? Is, is falling into the trap of what the negative folk out there want you to do. Well, prior to the midterms and prior to Herschel Walker's election, this runoff election, uh, I said there isn't going to be a red wave and there's no question that Warnock will beat Herschel Walker. A lot of people give me credit for making that prediction, and it wasn't a prediction. It wasn't it, it wasn't emotional at all. It was just common sense. I mean, in terms of the midterms, everybody wants you to believe, oh, it's going to be close. It's going to be the end of democracy. But all you have to do is look at the facts. The Republicans took away rights from all women, a, a, a constitutional right from all women. They were marginalizing LGBTQ. They were suppressing the votes of uh, people of color. How are you going to win an election? Logic tells you that they can't win the fucking election. And with Herschel Walker, as luck would have it, just prior to Herschel Walker and Warnock's runoff election, the Georgia Supreme Court comes out and essentially bans abortion, which we know had a huge effect on the midterms. So it's just all common sense. I'm not a psychic. I'm just trying to use common sense when all these fucking media people are trying to pull you in on your emotions. It's time to sit back and just use some fucking common sense. Yeah, you know, um, I, I'm i liking the, the, the years that Trump was in, in power, let's say, um, to creating a PTSD um, environment for a lot of Americans, right? Yeah, yeah. They saw him getting away with this, that, the other thing, the corruption, the just the audacity of the things he was trying to do. And people felt helpless because nobody was going after him. He was impeached twice, legitimately impeached twice, yet the Republicans stood behind him no matter what. The, the DOJ under Barr would not pursue even those 10 incidents of obstruction of justice. He he just said, oh, it's all a nothing burger. It's all a lie, the Mueller report. And so it doesn't surprise me that uh, people, uh, including myself, were feeling a bit of uh, stress and and losing confidence in our government structure uh, to hold, uh, as my mom would say, the ne'er-do-wells uh, accountable for their uh, egregious actions. So I think that's part of it, too. Um, and then you throw in the pandemic, which is a whole nother uh, mental health issue situation. And so you just pile it all on top. And, you know, it doesn't surprise me that people are just kind of still a bit spun out on things. Well, I think I think in this country, this country, the people here have been spoiled. I think there is a pandemic of people expecting immediate gratification. A lot of people thought moment Joe Biden gets 
sworn into office, Donald Trump's going to be immediately put in cuffs and dragged off to jail. And if you thought that, that's fucking crazy. Everything takes a little time. When we're talking about the legal system or government, everything takes a real long time. You just have to watch what's going on and see if we're on the right track to head to where we want to get to. But don't get frustrated because it doesn't happen as fast as you want. That's, I always tell people that just because it's not going as fast as you want doesn't mean it's going to fail. Who the fuck are you? I mean, who the fuck am I? All I'm saying is, as long as it's progressing in the right way, let's just wait and see. Yeah. Um, imagine, as Rod Serling would say, imagine if you will, yeah. you know, a, a DOJ that has limited resources. And yet we have more incidences of criminal actions growing exponentially around the whole Trump world. His his team, his organization, seems like everybody involved with Trump has some legal action going against them. And then it reaches out from there into the Proud Boys and the and all the other people, right? The Oath Keepers and 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 stuff. And how do you keep up with all of it? It's like uh and the whole January 6th thing has so many people involved and you you end up having to do, do not only the big picture analysis of everything, you have to go build an individual case for every element within that big picture. And the DOJ has to have just only certain amount of resources to pursue all these different things. And so, yeah, like you're saying, Mike, we have to be a little patient here. And it is an unprecedented thing. You're going after a former president of the United States. And you, you've you mentioned uh, on your uh, podcast here, uh, Alvin Braggs. I think that guy was just waiting for the criminal case against the Trump organization to complete before growing a pair of balls big enough to want to jump into the arena with his own indictments. I agree. I agree. I mean, that's kind of a chicken shit way to do it. I mean, the prosecutors that resigned under him uh, already had the proof, they said, and they were pretty established uh, prosecutors. But still, he kind of, you know, he just got elected in and he was afraid to step too far. And I think you're right. He was waiting for this court case against the Trump organization. And if they won and they won resoundingly, now he's finally got a set of balls. And uh, I, I'm still not too impressed with him at this point. Yeah, you know, it, it does kind of surprise me. Um, well, it should surprise me and it should not surprise me that Trump was indicted on all 17 counts, the right. Trump organization, right? Right, right. And I think the next target is uh, uh, individual criminal uh, indictments uh, for their tax fraud and all of that. That as a um, uh, fellow American, if I were to have done that in my own company, they would have come after me individually uh, as well as my company and not just find me. Right. So we, I'm, I'm waiting for that shoe to drop. Well, there's the other aspect, too. There's the civil case with Letitia James and the attorney general of New York. Uh, there's going to be a lot of evidence coming out of that, too. And she's probably going to win that lawsuit. She's asking for $250 million, but that's probably the bare minimum. They might be looking at punitive damages and all that stuff. Between the the conviction of the Trump organization and what's going to happen in the lawsuit, 
the Trump organization, for all intents and purposes, is done. And it's very likely that Donald Trump and his family will never be able to do business in New York again. This is what always irritates me when I get people coming up saying, nothing's ever going to happen to Donald Trump and nothing has happened to Donald Trump. Are you fucking serious? There's a lot of shit happening to Donald Trump. And uh, you're just not paying attention. Again, the only thing they see is he's got to be in cuffs and jail until I'm happy. Well, fuck you. There's going to be more of a process to this. And that's what we're seeing. And every day, Donald Trump gets taken down another inch or two. And until the time that he's just going to be done and um, inconsequential in this country. And that's where we have to get. We have to get him out of the narrative because he causes more damage just by opening his fucking mouth. Yeah, he does. Um, and to take this more globally than the U.S., you know, he's he's created quite the division here in the U.S., but as the, the U.S. has become the beacon, let's say, uh, around the world, um, and while I always used to think that people would have be think independently enough, the other countries, to just focus on the positive stuff coming out of the U.S. Right. and try to emulate those, um, they're... It's surprising me that they're taking all the negative stuff too, and doing that. I uh, I I noticed during the um, after Trump was elected in 2016, given his bombastic approach and insulting everybody under the moon from from handicapped people to women to his opponents and lying and the gaslighting and all of that, that other uh, politicians, conservative politicians running around the world, were started adopting the same tactic uh, successfully. And it was very strange. And then now we got this week, you know, we have January 6th and the insurrection and all of that. And now they've arrested a couple dozen people or more in Germany who were plotting a coup to guess what, go in and kill um, elected leaders uh, of that government and try to take over that government. Gee, where have we seen that? But apparently they were planning it better than our own January 6th, but somehow um, the, the German government had inside information and got in and it arrested a bunch of people. And now I, you're just hearing this week in Peru, um, that, that president was just impeached and arrested for plotting a coup, coup d'etat, uh, on that government because he wanted to dissolve the existing, uh, Congress and rewrite a new constitution because he was being investigated for a bunch of corruption. It's like, it just keeps going on and on. It's, there's a common theme going on around here. Yeah, Donald Trump did start something here. You know, when he had this outrageous behavior and these strategies, we then saw it in members of Congress. We saw it in state government, people emulating Donald Trump. And as you say, we're seeing it all over the world now. It's 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 really kind of an interesting situation. As a as horrible and abhorrent as Donald Trump is, people saw it works, it gets votes, it gets money, so we're going to do it. I liken it to my time when I spent some time in the music business. Uh I worked in the music business in Minneapolis in the eighties when when Prince was just coming to power, you know, with all his music in 1999 and all that stuff. And I represented a couple of musicians who were similar and were from that same group. And we would talk to record companies and like 1999 would be the popular song that's out there. 
And these would be black artists and they played the same instruments and all the stuff. And, and they'd say to us, write something like 1999. Cause they just wanted to ride that wave of popularity. They figured that works. So that's what I'm going to do. And of course it doesn't work. Ultimately it fails miserably and we refuse to do it, but that's what's happening in politics. Now everybody sees what Donald Trump is doing, and no matter how horrible it is, they want to jump on board because they don't care about anything but getting votes and getting money. Well, exactly. Um, and it doesn't matter whether the approach is ethical or it represents the will of the people, uh, of whatever their constituents are or the American people. It's whatever puts them in power, whatever seems to work right. to get them what they want. I, I know you speak about narcissism a lot, yeah. but I got to be honest, man. There's so many narcissistic uh, uh, politicians in this world and in this country, and it's just becoming so obvious uh, anymore as to who they are because they are willing to sell them uh, uh, our ideology, if you will, of our country out for their own gain, personal gain. Absolutely. And it's in our own Congress. It's in the Senate. It's in the House. I just saw a story about a bunch of nurses and doctors who went to Washington, D.C. Many of them were from cities where they had the mass shootings, and they're trying to implore people to get this uh, uh, semi-automatic weapons ban. And some people are for it, and some people are, are against it, as we always see in Congress. And the thing is, these people deal with children and people shot up in these things, and and they pled their case, and it's an obvious answer to it. But the these other people refuse to listen. You know, you, you can tell them how kids are dying or how people are dying from this. And it, if you could just do this, we could save a lot of lives. These people who are against it don't care. And the reason they don't care is because they have support from NRA. They get money or they get support in other ways or votes from the Trump fucks. That's what matters to them. And, 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 and that's the problem with our Congress. Their first concern and care should be with the people of this country but it's not right. It's all about enriching and uh, lifting themselves up. And that's where we're fucked in this, in this Congress. Well, exactly. When you have a hundred percent compliance on the GOP to obstruct anything that uh, let's say the Democrats or the president is trying to enact on behalf of the American people, then you know it has nothing to do with representing the people. Right. It has everything to do with with power and staying in power or getting in power and doing and uh, uh, beckoning to the will of their corporate sponsors, if you will. Well, there's an easy argument for just about anything in this country as opposed to what the government does and what works. If we look at a time when we were economically strong and the middle class was strong, that's when wealthy people and the corporations were charged an appropriate tax. Things were good when they paid their fair share in taxes. When Bill Clinton had the uh, semi-automatic weapons ban or whatever, we had far less shootings in this country. Those two facts should be enough to tell people, well, if it worked doing that, we should just do it again and then we'll be fine. 
But even with those facts thrown in their face, they don't care. They don't want to listen to it. They know better, even though history would suggest otherwise. And again, it's all about money. It's all about power. It's all about votes. And that's all they care about. Yeah, and the sad thing is they're willing to sell out our our constitution, our people, our way of life for their own gains, personal gains. Uh, that's the that's the distressing thing I see as uh, uh, part of my core values is uh, being trustworthy and honest. And uh, so to see that um, is quite bothersome when they when they lack any integrity at all. Well, well, the problem is, is whether we were talking about politicians, uh, singers, or rock stars, or movie stars, or TV stars, or to a certain extent, uh, religious leaders, it's almost necessary for them to become narciss- be narcissists if they want to be successful. It seems like all those people just strive for power and, and adulation and whatever, and it seems like they all have that one thing in common. They're all kind of narcissistic. It's almost like they have to be to be successful in their respective fields. Well, you know what? I, I would agree. Um, look at Nick Fuentes, right? Yeah, exactly. That, that SOB. Everything is about Nick, Nick, Nick and getting attention and getting attention and getting attention. Look at Trump. He's definitely a narcissist. We don't even have to discuss that. That's That's obvious. Look at Roger Stone. Definite narcissist, uh, Matt Gates, so many of the, oh, uh, Ted Cruz and, and so many of them, uh, and then the religious leaders. Um, we'll, well, I'll call them, uh, it'd be that the Christian nationalists, that, that is the fascist, uh, arm of, of religion, the, um, and even some, uh, various, uh, pastors, if you will, the, televangelists or whatever and they're always out there yelling and screaming and like you said trying to control the emotion of the crowd and all of this and it all comes back to them because they are a narcissistic personality and that's how they control the masses is through emotion i have to ask you to, to get your take on this you brought up nick fuentes and if you've ever seen nick fuentes he's he's like 25 or 26 years old he's a child uh, he goes on his, his YouTube or whatever he's on and he gets these really weird, creepy looks. It's like he's a fucking cartoon character when he's talking and he says the most egregious things. How is it a guy like this gets as many followers or watchers as he does? And how is it that he's being taken seriously? I mean, I have a 28 year old son and if he acted like that, I'd say shit, shut up and sit the fuck down until you learn something. But this kid is getting a lot of play when I don't know how he gets it. He's, he's not, (laughs) he's not credible. He's not smart. He's just weird and cartoonish and, uh, fucking vile. Um, Oh, I ask myself the same thing, but I have some friends who fall down the rabbit hole of the bullshit that's propagated out there by the, the GOP. And they've convinced, they've convinced themselves that they're victims of the world. And now they're trying to justify it with weird things. But I think that, uh, there are a lot of young, we'll call them antagonists. Okay. Like Nick Fuentes and, and others that not only are narcissistic, they're looking for 
attention for whatever insecurities they have in life. And I think a lot of them have found a way to make money by being so bombastic, uh, whether they truly 100% believe in it, some of them do, but some are finding a money in, in just the controversy. And Ted Cruz is a good example of that, in that he will say the most disgusting, vile crap, let's say on the wherever, right? And yeah. then uh, Eric Swalwell uh, used to be my representative in the redistricting. I've got somebody else now. But anyway, Eric used to always come down and do uh, town halls and everything. And and I've met him for coffee and just talked to him about things. And he'd ask, what's important to you and that kind of thing. And he relayed a story once about uh, Ted Cruz. Right after Ted Cruz had just said disgusting things about the Democratic Party and attacked uh, even Eric Swalwell and all of that. And then afterwards just went up to Eric. Hey, you want to go out to dinner this week? Da, 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 da. And he goes, you just, you were just so vile to us and, and you're disgusting. He goes, ah, that's politics. So to some of them, it's just a freaking game. Yeah, right? absolutely. And they're, and they're, and they're playing a character in, uh, I'm not going to call it a, I'll call it a dark comedy. Um, and that's all they think of it as. They don't think of it as anything else. They, the, the idea of being, um, truly beholden to their office as our, as our founding fathers had probably envisioned, undoubtedly envisioned, doesn't even cross his mind. It's all a game. And I think a lot of those, like Nick Fuentes, uh, was it Charlie Kirk and, and so many of the younger ones, I think they're finding they can make money off this old gig. Yeah. I used to, uh, hear a lot about Rush Limbaugh when he was alive. And I remember when he first started and it wasn't as divisive with Republicans and Democrats back then. Uh, but I always had these people say to me, Oh, I love Rush Limbaugh because he's so outrageous in your face, bombastic, whatever. And, and I'd always tell them, you know, having been experienced uh, in the media for some time, I said, you understand this is a show. You're not really seeing Rush Limbaugh. You're seeing whatever character he's portraying. And I think you you do get that from the people on Fox News. You get it from Nick Fuentes. You get it from Rush Limbaugh and all these people. The problem is there's people that are so thick-skulled, they see it. And they see Rush Limbaugh or Nick Fuentes as that person. And they take for granted that what they're saying is absolutely true. I mean, I, 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 I was a... Um, I'll give you an example. I worked at a radio station in Minneapolis, and I was a producer of the show, and it was a call-in talk show. And this guy was pretty well-known in town, and uh, he was a little, you know, he was a little edgy. And one day we come in just before the show, and he says, yeah, we're going to talk about abortion. Now, this is the 80s. We're going to talk about abortion today. I said, oh, okay. He said, which way you want to go? I go, what do you mean? I said, I'm just producing a shit. What do you want to do? He said, should I go for it or against it? I go, well, how do you feel about it? He goes, I don't give a fuck about it. How do you want to go, for it or against it? And I said, <laughs> whatever you want, man. And so he went for it on one show, and you know, people got upset and people calling and stuff. It didn't matter to him what it was. That's what people have to understand. These are carnival barkers just trying to get a rise out of you and get your money out of your pockets. And when you understand that, you will take take a better understanding of what you're hearing instead of taking it as truth and fact and taking it to heart. 
Yeah, you had mentioned uh, Rush Limbaugh, and I used to listen to him many moon ago, back in uh, probably the 90s. Yeah. And uh, and I also used to listen to, I listened to a variety of people. I listened to him. I listened to, uh, they called him uh, General Savage, Mike Savage. Mike Savage, And, yeah. and uh, Sean Hannity, Howard Stern. I listened to some other conservative guy that was originally from Haiti, and I can't remember his name, but I thought he was awesome. I listened to a local radio station that had talk show hosts, uh, Ron Owens and, and, and others, and they were all middle of the road and they would just direct a conversation, whichever way it went. They had no, uh, position, but they would be more true journalistic approach to, to, to stuff. And then some far right wing guy, I, I'd listen to him just to get a perspective, but I never took any of it to heart. Like any of them were the gospel, if you will. Right. Um, that that what everything they said was true. I would just go, oh, okay. Well, that's their opinion. Uh, that's their opinion. Uh, that's their opinion. Oh, just different perspectives. I move on with life and never allowed my allowed myself to get uh, sucked into that whole scenario. We were talking about public speaking, and this kind of ties into the radio stuff and the TV stuff and politicians, for that matter. Uh, you mentioned that you're kind of in line with me. I. I I not only don't mind public speaking, I rather enjoy it because it was, to me, it was so much better than than radio because I could get a sense of what was working with the crowd and what wasn't working with the crowd. And once I realized what was working with the crowd, I can adjust my direction and what I had to say to the part that I knew was going to be successful. And that's what these people in this business do, the radio. They try things out and whatever seems to hit, they're going that direction, whether they believe it or not. They're going to milk that for all it's worth. And uh, unfortunately, that isn't what we once knew as journalism. It's just a fucking song and dance. Yeah, true. Uh, journalism? Wow. There is none. That's far and few between. Um, I'm actually stunned these days when I see anybody pushing back on a uh, a guest on a on a program um, about their thoughts. And I'm actually even more shocked when I see it coming out of Fox, which I have seen more of recently than I've seen in years and years and years and years. But I think it's because they're trying to change their direction because they see the failed attempt at pursuing the nonsense coming from the Trump world, right. the Trump supporters. And I think they're trying to reposition them now as more census and reasonable but you're right there's there's no true journalism out there which is uh pretty appalling it's it's almost as if um the whole trump era and the MAGA era, and i'm not trying to minimalize it but it's almost like the trump era and MAGA was a fucking fad and they saw the fad was popular, you know, like the spinners you used to buy for kids and all the shit that, that becomes a fad. They jump on that fad and they milk it for all it's worth. And then when it fades away like it's doing now, then they try to find some other fad to jump on. But it, it's unfortunate. Uh, we have a country now of uh, uh, people that are woefully misinformed. And that makes it tougher <laughs> to get normal people fucking elected. Well, imagine if you were raised in a family where you had parents that didn't want to discuss uh, things in a practical matter, um, where they were buried in their own little conspiracy 
and they're rel- relaying all of that to their children. It's just like the uh, the racism in this country. You aren't born with racism. You're taught racism. And right. if you have parents teaching you not only racism, but conspiracy theories about this, that, and the other thing, you're brainwashed from a very early age. Yeah. I Well, I have that. I mentioned it on the podcast. I have that in my very own family. I have a, a brother-in-law and a sister that are Trump humpers. You know, we got in a little 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 argument and I didn't really argue I just stood there and kind of smirked which surprised my wife and uh it turned into a shit show I didn't talk to him for a long time and now they're upset they're not really included into things in the family and they think it's my fault because I'm holding them away I don't really care where they go but nobody in the family likes that attitude and the way they did things because it all it also did trickle down to their kids and the kids making fucked up stupid comments and stuff and at some point people just say i don't want to be around you if you're going to be like that and and so um they're still at that point they aren't willing to give in you know they'll they'll hop on like this call i had with my my siblings when my father died and we're just talking about okay dad died this is what we're going to do okay we're done but then the brother-in-law has to come in and start re re uh, going over the incident in Christmas two years ago and turning it into a shit show. And I told him, I said, look, I said, dude, this isn't the place to argue about this. I said, the only reason this happened in the first place is because you are unable to control your emotions. You can disagree with me and I can disagree with you and we can agree to disagree. And then go our separate ways. But when you lose your shit, you fucking go crazy and you lose your emotions. Well, that's on you, motherfucker. And if people don't like you because you're ready to explode at any moment and shove stuff in people's face, why are you surprised? Why are you fucking surprised? There's, it's, it's, it's frustrating how people have been brainwashed in this country. You know, you have the dumber of us that see this shit on the television and on radio and on the Internet, and they soak it up like a sponge, and they believe it's real no matter how fucking crazy. Yeah. um, One of my brothers is uh, Team Trump. Yeah. And uh, I love him. He uh, has always been susceptible to this kind of stuff. But... And we always used to have conversations, but there was two things that I always said we can't go, places we can't go. One, I don't want to talk about religion. And two, I don't want to talk about politics. So let's talk about anything else. And we used to have wonderful conversations. He's going fishing. He's going hunting. He's going this. He's doing that and blah, blah, blah. And how's everybody else doing? I'm a kid. Just all the normal stuff that you stay happy. And everything was always good. I'd speak to him on a regular basis. He lives up in the Northwest. I'm in California. So he'd call me all the time and we'd just chat, right, and laugh and have a good time. And then Trump lost in 2020 and he cut out all of us. Yeah, He was so far down the rabbit hole that it took months before he would reach out to any of us. We have a group text, uh, us five siblings, and uh, he just would not participate. And it took months and he finally started uh, opening up to my two sisters and my other brother, and he would establish, reestablish the relationship with them, you know, again, but no talking about religion or politics, but Mm -hmm. me, he has yet to uh, respond to any kind of calls, text messages or anything. And I finally just gave up. So now it's been over two years and it's because 
as you've probably seen in some of my Facebook posts, I'm pretty vocal about the wrongs of the Trump world and all the atrocities of the GOP and whatnot. And so he got out of Bennett's shape, and he, now he's got such a um, uh, a thing about it. He just, you mentioned early, they won't admit that they're wrong, and therefore they won't address it or come back. And in this last election, I have a super good friend from the military um, when I was in the Army, and we've stayed friends forever, and I love the guy, and he's an awesome individual, but we have the rules there too. We don't talk about politics. We'll talk about issues but not politics, right? Right, right. As, as far as attacking political candidates. I could visibly see at, after this last election that he was just super irritated, just super irritated. I didn't even have to ask him, why are you irritated? It's because the GOP did not have the red wave. And right. I knew that's what it was. And I just went along like I was just dumb and didn't know. And and all that, but I knew because I'm very perceptive on people's emotional uh, state. And so I just do my normal thing. Hey, when we go and fishing again, let's go down to the beach. I invite him to dinner and, and whatnot. And, and we'll do that kind of stuff. And I just, and now he's popping out of it, but I could just see how that stuff just is absorbed into him. He, he either is happy or sad by what's happening in that cultist world. Well, it's weird because it's like they have, they're angry because you have the audacity to uh, disagree with them. You have the audacity and they seem to think that you have a need to agree with them. And you're kind of in the same situation, what you explained. Whenever I would see these people, I wouldn't say, Trump sucks, Trump sucks. I wouldn't get in that argument. But I would put something on Facebook or TikTok or the podcast or whatever. And they wouldn't necessarily be on Facebook or TikTok or podcast, but they would seek it out. They didn't like what I was saying. So they had to go listen to it to find something to be offended about and then confront me with that. Now that's going, that's working pretty hard to be mad at me just because I disagree with you. But that's the problem with a lot of Trumpers I see. It would be easy if you and I disagreed and just didn't talk about those things we disagreed about. But these people can't fucking help themselves. They are so angry and so butthurt that you have the audacity to uh, to say something different than they think. And especially if you have a sizable following that agrees with you, that makes them even matter. So at that point, they feel compelled to get in your face and argue with you because they're going to beat you. Well, my brother-in-law has no chance of beating me or anybody I can fucking imagine because he's not smart enough to do it. Uh, but, but. That's the problem. You and I can be as nice and cordial and stay off the topic as much as we want, but they force the issue every time. Yeah, what I'm what I'm finding is that um, their lack of ability to discuss in a logical fashion an issue, the pros, the cons, the 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 facts that back up whatever their position is. They always re revert to the personal attacks on somebody, yeah, be it yeah. Joe Biden or AOC or some other politician or something. And I go, what the hell does that have to do with anything? Let's just focus on the issue and what is the solution to this issue? I don't want to hear about your view on somebody's, you know, some person. Or the laptop. Yeah, or that fucking laptop that they've had for years and 
And uh, uh, I actually wrote on that thing, too. Why are we still talking about that crap when all they do is complain about gas prices, which isn't such an issue anymore, unless you're in California? Um, And uh, uh, the fact that the whole chain of custody has been ruined on that laptop and people have added to it, taken off and everything and their own investigations that so many people have been in this laptop that wasn't Hunter Biden and added stuff and deleted stuff. There's nothing that you can tie back to anything and whatever we found isn't anything anyway. And it was all in Trump administration's possession for at least a year and a half before uh, the election. So it's all nonsense. And it's just, it's just an updated version of Hillary Clinton. Yeah, it is. It is. <laughs> they still can't get out of their head. Well, and the thing is that they're talking about all these investigations coming up in this new House of Representatives with the Republicans in charge. And again, they're missing the boat. They're thinking, well, Donald Trump fucked us on the midterm, so we're going to walk away from Donald Trump. But what also caused them problems in the midterms is all these crazy conspiracy theories and the policies and stuff. Yes, people didn't vote for him because of Donald Trump, but it's all the crazy stuff. So they're going to get rid of Donald Trump, but continue with the crazy stuff. Go ahead, motherfucker, because you're still going to lose elections. Well, they're going to lose more elections if they keep going down that road because people, um, well, let's focus on Arizona. Uh, it's kind of funny when Carrie Lake said, um, the, 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 uh, Arizona uh, people, the voters there know BS when they see it. Well, that's kind of funny because she's full of BS and they voted her out. Yeah. And, exactly. uh, or I should, they should say they just didn't elect her to be the governor. And now she's still spewing that crap because, you know, about uh, election fraud and all that stuff. And it's because she has no other game and just doesn't have the social cues to understand that nobody cares. Yeah. Her her lawsuits against uh, the election have, have fallen dead and she's just not cluing in as as those other uh conspiracy theorist people are just not getting the current message. They just don't see the writing on the wall. No, they're not getting it. Well, I tell you, tell you, Joe, uh, we're talking to listener, Joe, uh, we're going to take a quick break and we'll be right back. We are back on the rational boomer podcast with listener, Joe. We thank him for coming in and always offering some great insight. Joe, we've had a lot of news stories in the past week, a lot of very important news things happening. And one of the most important, of course, was the runoff election in Georgia, Raphael Warnock, the incumbent, uh, versus, uh, Herschel Walker, the imbecile. And, uh, of course, Raphael Warnock won a little by a bigger margin than he did in the, uh, general election. And he got the win. He's going to continue. He got reelected as senator. It'll be his first full term of six years. And I really, I really looked at this particular election as very important, almost like a pivot point for the country and which direction we're going to head. I know we already had the control of the Senate, and that was nice. But getting this extra senator is a big help in the Senate. But to me, it seemed like this was going to be the decider of whether this country and our government is going to degrade or improve because Herschel Walker was such a horrible candidate. If we slipped and, 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 and elected him, I don't know what the hope for the country would be. Fortunately, Warnock won and we are headed in to the future 
in a better way by a long shot. Yeah. Um, let's take the win. Okay. Yeah. On the, on the positive side, we'll take the win. The uh, If you want to focus on the negative, how in the hell did Herschel Walker manage any votes um, uh, in that state when he is such an imbecile, when he is such a horrible candidate with, with his background of violence and forced abortions and all this other stuff that had come out on him, why would anybody vote for him? But I'm going to go beyond that and I'm going to say, look, let's just take the win and look right. through the windshield and, you know, don't look backwards. Hopefully he fades into nothingness. But the fact that the GOP would even allow that guy to run for uh, senator uh, just means that they were just looking at, at him as just a dupe that they could control. That's why Lindsey Graham was going around speaking on his behalf right. because they had zero confidence in his ability to represent anything. But you are right. I was looking at that as a pivot point because now we have control of committees in the Senate. We don't have to just do all this shared leadership stuff right? and, and be... Um, uh, you know, curtailed by the, the, the GOP on advancing anything. Now we control that in that, uh, we aren't, uh, mansion, you know, we got over his. It's not everything's easy, but, uh, he can no longer block us on everything. Um, so yeah, I, uh, I would like to have seen more. So we had a definite, like, if we'd had a three, um, if we had 53, you know, then that yeah. would have, that would have really locked it in for us to do some things. But yeah, you know what? We have, we have the house now that's, uh, controlled, uh, marginally by the GOP. And, um, but yeah, all of that kind of adds up. I think we're going to get more of a stalemate unless there's some GOP guys, leaders, uh, that are folks that are, um, willing to now work like they're supposed to with the Democrats on various legislation. Well, I'm kind of thinking that's going to be the case. It almost has to be the case because as much as they've got a small margin uh, of majority in the house, they've got a big divide between those members of the house and the Republican side. You have the MAGA side and then you have the other side that sees what a failure MAGA is and they're trying to step away from it. Now, MAG is going to want to do all these investigations, and the smart ones will realize, well, that's not going to get me any fucking votes. Between now and 2022, if I'm up for election, i got to accomplish something. I can't go and side with Donald Trump and the MAGA people because that's going to hurt me. And I can't just sit stagnant and do anything. So it might be worth their while, or they might be motivated to get together with Democrats and, and, and come up with something, you know, maybe not anything that either side likes, but something. So when 2022 comes along, they can say, I did something. The fucking MAGA guys didn't do jack shit, but I did something. So I'm worthy of at least getting a, a vote. They got to do something and they can't side with the Trump guys because they already know that's a failure. Yeah. I'm holding out hope that they see the, see the light, so to speak. And, uh, move to the way the wind is blowing yeah. um, and away from MAGA and towards a more reasonable approach to um, governance. Um, I'm not 
overly optimistic, but maybe their um, their nature of being self-preservationists is going to move them in a more normal direction. We'll we'll see. Um, I will be pleased if I see it, but not surprised if I don't. But what 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 are their options though? I mean, they've already established that. Donald Trump and MAGA and some of the policy, all the policies are a loser for them. They can't willingly go, okay, I'll just side with them anyway, because everybody else is, um, and, and then just go ahead and lose. I mean, if they want to do that, that's fine. I would love to see them, them exterminate themselves, but these people are opportunists and they are only concerned about votes and making money and stuff. So they got to do something other than MAGA. The only other thing would be to work with Democrats or do nothing, but doing nothing is not going to help them either. True. But I've seen, uh, we've all seen crazier shit over the last several years. So um, them walking around completely blind to what people are thinking and saying and what they are fed up with is not surprising either. So we'll see. I got to think that there's, at least a dozen people in the House, uh, GOP members that are probably want to go down the reasonable road. And then others are still sucked into that other crap because they're, they're in their own, uh, vacuum, if you will, on what they're hearing. And it isn't what's being really thought and said outside. Right. I don't, I don't think they're pursuing it from, uh, such a logical perspective as what you're, uh, implying it's like they they don't they just hear from their own little world and they're not hearing everything so i while i think that several may be coming around that then can help us make a difference there's still going to be that larger faction in the house that and even the senate that are just completely oblivious just going to the freezer taking out the box of the normal GOP uh, game plan of obstructionism and dissing the Democrats and calling them socialists and communists yeah. and all that other stuff. I, I'm i not holding out hope that there's going to be a large contingent that, that try to go back to normal. Well, we don't need a large contingent. Keep in mind, the Democrats have like 214 seats in the House. I think that's what it is, 214. Um and they, the others, the Republicans have 222, I think. I'm not sure of that, but I think we have 214. So for all intents and purposes, we only need to sway five of them. Five Republicans who want to do something of value. Now that may be a lot to ask, but that's, we don't have to do all of them. We don't do have to do half of them. We don't even have to get a quarter of them. We only have to get five or six to make some, some changes here. And that's why Kevin McCarthy is so nervous about this speaker, speaker of the house job because he can't get 218 votes. And he said something. He said, if we're not careful, the Democrats could, could uh, choose who's going to be the speaker of the house. And I thought, how, how is that possible? And then I realized that with 214 votes, they could apply to anybody they wanted. They could go to a Republican who's more central or uh, center or moderate. And say, you want to be Speaker of the House? Okay, you be Speaker of the House. We'll give you 214 votes. All you need to get is three or four more, and uh, you'll be Speaker of the House. That would be fucking awesome. Take yeah. it away from MAGA. Take it, it away from Kevin McCarthy. 
it would be awesome. And there's no reason McCarthy should be it. And yeah. even Mac, even Matt Gates says, uh, that he has five people that won't vote for Kevin McCarthy. And, you know, you got, uh, Marjorie Trailer Trash Green is one of them. And same with Matt Gates. And I guess a good sign of what you're, uh, saying here is the fact that we had GOP members vote for the same sex uh, legislation in the Senate. Yeah. So they're on board with that. And I can't remember if it's 12 or 13 or whatever, but that is like a year ago. Forget it. They right. would have never done it. They would have all blocked it for whatever socialistic, democratic, whatever they want to throw out there just to be obstructionist. They see the writing on the wall. So I think that there's going to be hope in the house as well to get more, um, uh, legislation where they get buy-in, uh, uh, from both parties. So I, I think you may be onto something there. I think that the tide's turning and we'll see more of that, not as much as we would like, but I think given the narrow, uh, majorities in either the House or the Senate, I think that we have an opportunity to see more of it. Well, in that particular case, it was, it was, uh, uh, the bill was passed to protect same-sex and interracial marriage, uh, essentially codifying it so so that uh, some Trumplefuck or some evangelical couldn't take it up the up the uh, chain up the court to the Supreme Court and have them decide to overturn it like they did Roe v. Wade. So now that they've done that, and and the voting was two fifty, I think it was two fifty eight to one sixty nine. That's pretty substantial. You know, on, in a house that's almost 50, 50, Democrats right now are up a little bit. Uh, but 258 to 169 is a pretty substantial switch. And it's a pretty big deal to agree to same sex marriage and interracial marriage. So maybe they are coming, uh, to the side. If for only, if, if for only that the, the whole transgendered, uh, marginalization, all this stuff didn't work in the midterms. They've got to change up in the middle of the stream if they want to get votes. They found this doesn't work, so they have to do something. And they did in this case. And they pretty much took the power away from the Supreme Court to overturning this. So the next thing is to codify Roe v. Wade. And you have to wonder, could they still do it? Because as much as the Republicans don't like abortion, they also saw abortion cost them the midterms. So do they try to adjust their attitude to get this thing fucking codified so that um, so that uh, they can take some credit and, and step away from what cost them an election before? Um, if I if I were advising the Democrats on this issue. And I think you know that I'm a supporter of uh, Roe v. Wade. Um, And I would say, okay, we have till the end of the year. Uh, Democrats already said they had a bill to codify Roe v. Wade in the House. They should be passing that immediately and then put it on the voting block for after the first of the year in the Senate. And then in the Senate, given that we have, uh, you know, the 51-49 majority, then work to get it there, overturn the, um, carve out the filibuster. Yeah. Overturn that thing. So we don't need 60 or try to get 10 votes from Republicans on it. And if not, overturn the filibuster. And then we don't need uh, Joe Manchin and his crap and then, uh, voted into office, voted in and then have, uh, Joe Biden sign off on it. And there isn't a damn thing 
that the Republicans can, Republicans can do. I'm glad you brought this up because I suggested this a while back, but I honestly didn't know if it were possible. I said kind of what you said, but I was just blowing smoke because I, I don't know what I was talking about. I was saying, well, if we don't have the House next in the next Congress, why not pass a bunch of shit in Congress in, in, in the House right now and then save it till afterwards for the Senate to do after after they take over? Now, someone said to me, well, you can't do that because it's a different Congress. I go, I guess that makes sense. But what you're saying is there's a way to pass something now in the House, I suppose since we're so close to the deadline anyway, to set it up to be voted on in the Senate. I I, I just wasn't sure if you're in a new Congress, can you have the old House help to pass a bill with the new Senate? From, From what I've read that you can do that. Really? So there is uh, there was another bill that I saw where the House passed and they were going to hold it up for voting in the Senate. There's a way to do that in the Senate where they just hold it up for a later time and they'll do more administrative rules of why they aren't voting on it right now. And they said, oh, well, we have to do this. And it's some game they have in the Senate that they can do that before they go vote on it formally and it basically delays the process so they can vote it shouldn't matter and i go oh okay well that's cool so they better be doing that with roe v wade and i honestly don't know if they haven't already done it with roe v wade i just don't see it in the news um i do like your news sources you're always uh educating me (laughs) on uh different things each day and you're and i know a lot of sounds like you're reading off some current news things i go you know, I look, I've like all these different apps on different news sources. And I go, I just didn't read that. Where's he getting that? Stuff? So that's <laughs> like, okay. Uh, but I haven't seen anything um, on it in a while as to what that was. And if they did already pass it, and it's just sitting waiting to be voted on in the Senate until after the first of the year. I don't know where it's at. Well, that would be the thing to do. If you can pass uh, Roe v. Wade in the House now, then have the Senate do it after after the break and the new Congress comes in, that would be the way to do it. And I got to believe these people are savvy enough and been in this business long enough to know how to play that game. So assuming that game is an opportunity or is an option for them, I would hope they're going to take it. I mean, I'd be fucking pass a bunch of things, throw it in there and say, well, we got oh. five days till, till the break. So we can't do it now, but we'll just do it the next session. Well, they codified uh, same sex marriage. So yeah. that's awesome. And that Chuck uh, Schumer, he's one bright individual. So if there's a game to be played, he knows it. And he's probably going to try to set that up. What do you um, think? What do you think about them putting in uh, Nancy Pelosi stepping aside and Hakeem Jeffries coming in? I love it. I do too. Um, one is that I think politicians are in office way too long. And Green. while I have to applaud Nancy and her strength, um and fighting back against the the male contingent she broke the glass ceiling you know she did what she did and i have to applaud her and uh, uh a little side story about nancy my mom um after my father passed away she met uh al bauer who uh up in the northwest and he was like he was called mr democrat and they got together they eventually got married and al uh, introduced her into the world of politics and everything. And she got to meet Joe Biden 
and she got to meet Nancy Pelosi. And my mom was in the era of women can't have credit cards. Women had to have men sign off on everything. And the women back then had to fight tooth and nail to get everything that they needed to get. And she would tell me about those stories and how difficult it was and everything. And then she, so she saw Nancy Pelosi as, as one of her heroes. Um, and she told me the story of when she first got to meet Nancy, she just broke down and cried. She could not handle it. Um, and my mom is a strong woman. She, she could deal with all kinds of crap, right? Right. When she met Nancy, it was so emotional for her that she couldn't even speak to her. And Nancy came over and uh, comforted her and all of that. And she eventually got to sit down and talk to her for a little while. So that meant the world to my mom. Right. And I haven't always agreed with Nancy Pelosi or anything, but the fact that she had that impact on my mom and my mom had that much respect for her um, really meant a lot. So while I applaud what Nancy has accomplished, it's time for her and some of the old guard to, to step aside Absolutely. and bring in the new energy. And this guy, is he's got the piss and the vinegar, as my mom would say, and he's got the smarts to go along with it. And so I think he's going to be uh, a wonderful uh, representative for the Democrats in the House. I knew that Nancy Pelosi was uh, great at her job. The more I saw the Republicans hated her fucking guts. They didn't like her because she was effective, because she was tough, because she was savvy. And I think you're going to get the same thing out of Hakeem Jeffries, except he's a younger man. I mean, this politics is a younger man, a younger woman's game now. I think all politicians should be forced to retire at the high end at 70. We shouldn't have people in their 80s and 90s running our our government especially now since you know we're hearing this the, the these figures coming out that in 2028 the vast majority of the voters are going to be millennials and gen z's how dare we old white men <laughs> impose yeah. our will on these young kids future it's time they start making some choices for themselves and and determine their own destiny yeah i think congress needs to represent the people of this country and it's so inordinately skewed towards one thing, you know, old white guys um, and people have been in there forever. Um, and so they no longer represent America and how we're made up. Um, and you're right. I've advocated for a long time that people are in their way too damn long. Get out of there. Let the next generation handle it. Bring in fresh energy, new ideas, um, not stuck in the old ways. Um, so, yeah, hopefully, hopefully we'll get more towards that um, and away from the old guard, so to speak. You know, the Republicans can't claim, uh, complain about Joe Biden possibly running for re-election when he's 82 for the presidency. I still don't think he will, but no, maybe he does. Maybe he's healthy enough and maybe he can do it. But they're bitching about Joe running for president at 82, and they got a guy named Grassley down in Iowa who just won another six-year term, and that motherfucker's 89 years old. This guy should be done, should be gone. How he gets reelected, I have no idea. Yeah, I don't know. That's just bothersome. He almost got beat, but uh, he didn't. And he's just another example of a hateful old guy who probably can't even get around in there anymore. But, you know, look at California. We have Diane Feinstein, 
yeah, in there. Sure. And there's been so many reports out that she can't even get through a conversation um, and keep her focus. Um, and and I and I respect her for what she's done in the past. And I used to think of her as like the elder statesman, um, but she's way beyond her prime of being able to be effective in Congress. So she needs to go and uh, she she needs to be replaced by somebody, sorry, much younger and representative of the views of the California people. You know, you will see people in sports retire because they want to retire on top. That doesn't seem to come into play at all in politics. We're going to milk this fucker as long as I can get the free money. Uh, the, the the country and the people of the country be damned. And it, it's frustrating. It's just in line with everything we said before that this is about enriching themselves and 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 uh, gaining power for themselves. And it's contrary to what they were hired to do when they got the fucking job. Yeah, I call it the me, me, me syndrome. Yeah, absolutely. It has, it has nothing to do with us, us, us. No, no, and and that and that's where we have the problem, and that's a problem on both sides of the aisle, <clears throat> both Democrats and Republicans. Uh, they're all guilty of it, um, and people say, "What are we going to do about that?" I said, "We got to put the fucking fires out first before we <laughs> start worrying about the logistics of our government. We've got a lot of problems. None of it's going to be solved quickly." But we've got to take one piece at a time, fix it, and then move on to the next thing. We can't turn this around completely until, well, you know, in 2028, when the millennials and the uh, um, and the Gen Zs kind of take over with the votes, there's going to be some wholesale changes in government. And it's going to be devastating to those old people because these young people just won't fucking vote for them. Exactly. And I'm, I can't wait for that to happen, to be honest. And I, I personally think it's the, the uh, if not before, that point is the de- demise of the Republican Party as we now know it. I think we're going into a different era in this country. It'll be more liberal. It'll be more about the middle class just by virtue of who's going to be in control in this country. And I think it's a good thing. It's about fucking time. Oh, I agree. Um, as long as we can get them from being sucked into the myth. The money-making machine of uh, Congress, and that uh, uh, converting them to the me, 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 as opposed to the us, us, us mentality. Yeah, it's 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 troubling to say the least. Let's talk about Donald Trump real quick here. Um, Donald Trump's been having a bad couple of weeks, and I suggest that it's just going to get worse. It's not going to get better ever again for Donald Trump. He had the court case where his his company was found guilty of fraud. Um, we'd heard from Alvin Bragg, the DA in Manhattan District, and we'd gone through the whole thing where he wasn't going to go after Donald Trump. And like we said, they they beat the Trump organization. Now they're all excited about going after him, and that's good news. They want to go after him about Stormy Daniels. Uh, Fonnie Willis seems to be getting closer because she's bringing in all these people very close to Trump, Mike Flynn, Lindsey Graham, um, Mark Meadows, all these people. This is it's seeming like it's starting to culminate now. It's not quite there yet, but it truly is the wall squeezing in on Donald Trump. And, and we're seeing it in his true social responses and just everything. He's he's really, really fucking unhinged at this point. Yeah, he's a cornered rat. Yeah, 
Yeah. He's, he's coming out vicious now. And well, he's been coming out vicious for a while, but he wants to unleash the, his supporters to do bad things. Um, absolutely. So he, there is nothing beyond that he won't do now to protect his ass. Um, uh, but yeah, Alvin Braggs, he was, he had no balls. He just wanted to sit back and wait for somebody else to get a win before he wanted to step into the arena, even though he had the, uh, the evidence, if you will, to go after him uh, more strongly. Um, I think as we discussed, the uh, imagine the DOJ or any of these other agencies that are pursuing cases against them. There's so many coming out that they only have limited resources to keep, you know, focusing just on him. They keep getting spread out by all the other corruption coming right. out of his uh, previous administration. It's like case after case, almost every day something new is coming out. It's like, Jesus, criminy. We don't have the resources. So when it takes a while to get there, um, it, we have to be a little patient in that regard. And I know you're patient and they'll, they're going to get there eventually. Well, well, the thing about it is, is that I have a lot of faith in Fawny Willis. She doesn't, she's not as high profile as some of these other people, but she's down there doing the work. She's not fucking around. Jack Smith with the DOJ. I think we have two people there that are, are kind of bulldogs and determined and uh, are going after, they both seem to be very laser focused on, on Donald Trump too. You know how normally where they will go after the low, low hanging fruit and work their way up to the top. These two look like they're going after the top and then having that shit fall on the other people below. I don't know that that's true, but that's what it seems like. Everything seems to be focused on Trump. Yeah, in uh, Georgia with the uh, election interference, I mean, any normal American would have been arrested a year and a half ago, given yeah. that audio tape that showed obvious interference, uh, attempted interference in the election. But she's in a red state, and she's making sure that all the, the I's are dotted, the T's are crossed, and there's absolutely nothing that anybody can say that won't uh, result in a conviction. So she's putting together a case that's even airtight in a red state. Um, this other, uh, uh, was it Jack Smith? Yeah, Jack Smith. I was in, I yeah. wanted to mention that too because people may not be paying attention close enough to see that he's actually doing a lot of shit. And the most recent thing he did that I find interesting is that he's sending out subpoenas to all these people involved in trying to overturn the elections in their states or the fake electors in the swing states like Michigan, Arizona, what have you. That's that's pretty serious. He got all these people in these little state level uh, uh, jobs or not even politicians thinking, I'm going to do my part. I'm going to win this for Donald Trump. And, you know, they're fucking insurance salesmen and pharmacists and stuff. And now they're getting a subpoena from the DOJ. Their life has just become fucked up because they thought they knew better. Yeah. Um, I liken it to a, uh, a laser focus compared to a general observation. Uh, Merrick Garland, he was overseeing these things. And he's, and he's getting so much crap thrown at him that how can you put a laser focus on one thing when you're looking at the big picture all the time of all these different things? So, uh, bringing Jack Smith in, who is a, uh, let's call him a, a pit bull <laughs> because he is honed in 
And yeah. he's honed in immediately. And that's his only task is focusing on Donald Trump and all these uh, egregious things that he's done. And so there is no more generalization on stuff and trying to process this. And no, he's getting right in there and he's going to make it happen. And I thought, well, that's about time when they, when they assigned him to it, because now somebody's dedicated to those cases. Well, if you were going to make a sports analogy about the DOJ and Jack Smith, I would say this. I would say Merrick Garland is the starting pitcher and Jeff Smith is the fucking closer. And he's a serious ass closer. He's throwing some fucking heat. Yeah, he's uh he's taking the shit seriously. He's not a politician. You don't have to worry about the politics. He just worries about doing his job. And that's going to take all that other crap off the sidelines. And I, I love the pictures we see of him. They're all so ominous or intimidating. Like, <laughs> guy doesn't have a fucking sense of humor to save his soul, as far as we know. And he looks like this, uh, you know, like a uh, uh, Marvel villain or whatever. And, and it's 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 fucking. It it, it is kind of like a, a a closing picture picture. You know, one of the things they have the ability to throw hard, but the way they look or the way they come off intimidating, that just adds an edge to whatever they're doing. And he seems to have that in this situation. I'm sure Donald Trump was looking at that guy going, fuck, I'm in trouble. Oh, you want to make Donald Trump go batshit crazy? Just do one of those with uh, with Jack Smith with the flashlight under the face in the dark. <laughs> kind of like a Boris Karloff impression or uh, Vincent Price. Yeah, that'll get them all messed up. The only thing that messes up Donald Trump more than Jack Smith is a black woman like Fonnie Willis. That he oh. can't even fucking comprehend. Yeah, yeah, that's uh, yeah, that's his, like his personal nightmare because he is such a racist and a bigot. So um, that's well, got to be. It seems like things are speeding up. The snowball's going down the hill. How soon do you think? before we're going to see an indictment, not necessarily of Donald Trump. I mean, is, is this, this thing on January 21st when the January 6th committee is going to start throwing out criminal referrals? Uh, you know, again, you got to take that for what it's worth. They don't have any indictment power. It's just saying, okay, we've done enough investigations. You should indict this guy or at least look into it. Do you think that's the point when things start falling into place and people start reacting? Well, I okay. call me crazy, but I think it's going to come before that December 21st date. Really? Uh, I think people were waiting for, you know, I could be all wrong. I'm full of crap. Uh, but I think people were just waiting for this. Uh, I think they were willing to do it before the runoff in Georgia with uh, Herschel Walker uh, yeah. and Warnock. And I think that they were then put it off till after the runoff. So after Tuesday. And so it wouldn't surprise me in the least if some of these indictments didn't start coming down next week. You know what I love? You've, you've had jobs before. I've had jobs before where the bosses will always give you something ominous or something to overthink. And they'll do it before a long weekend or they'll do it before a holiday. <laughs> I love the fact that that the J6 committee is going to come out the 21st and expose some of these sitting members of Congress. 
And then they go off on break for Christmas until until fucking January. That's going to make their Christmas just suck. Oh, I'm loving it. I'm yeah. loving it. Not only are we going to give it all to the DOJ, we're going to give it to everybody. The American people, news agencies, have your way with it. Here, here's, here's your story for the next three, four, five months while you whittle through all the details and just frag every one of these GOP members who have been complicit. Well, and that's and that's the wonderful thing about this. You know, before, as they were coming to the end, Kevin McCarthy said to uh, Benny Tom, Benny Thompson, "You better hold on to that stuff. We're going to want to see it and go through it and find out what's true." And Benny says, "Yeah, cool." The DOJ says, uh, "We we want all those all those documents for our investigation." He says, "Yeah, that's cool." He said, "In fact, we're going to give it to fucking everybody." That was the absolute best move. And and you're right. I'm looking forward to it because any day, I'm not sure what to talk about. I'll just download a document on one fucking person and we'll do a show about uh, Paul Gozar and all the bullshit he was involved. That he's in, still involved in. Yeah. He still absolutely. supports abolishing the Constitution and, and stuff like that. And he came out, hey, what was it? Uh, desperate. I forgot, but yesterday it came out with something uh, about, um, oh, gosh. He said, uh, I don't know, def- desperate times, you know, desperate measures, something like that. Right. Desperate. He said, oh, unprecedented fraud requires unprecedented cure. You yeah. know, it's like, what the hell are you talking about? You mean like overthrowing our freaking government like January 6th? He's already implicated in that crap. Yeah, you wonder you wonder what's going to happen if the J6 some some somebody asked me on TikTok they said when the J6 committee comes out and if they expose these sitting members of Congress do you think that you'll get people resigning before the end of the year? And I thought about that and I thought no, I don't think so because that's not how they react to these things. They can get hit in the face with the most obvious evidence and what they do is they double down. And they try to gaslight and they try to control the narrative. It won't work in this case, but I think they also see their position or their job as some protection from getting indicted. Once again, they would be wrong, but they don't have to resign to get rid of them. We got people that could be getting expelled by way of the 14th Amendment or people getting indicted and having the FBI cuffing them and dragging their ass out. I don't really care how they leave just so they fucking leave. No, they get uh, we spoke about the narcissism earlier. The narcissists just fight back and they just try to go. And that's the playbook I've been seeing for a while. So when somebody gets accused of something and there's evidence all there, they just fight harder and harder and harder and try to get the, uh, the machine going on the disinformation, uh, machine going. And they just keep fighting and inevitably they get knocked out. I don't know if they understand that or they know that, but that's how they're wired. I'm just going to keep fighting, keep doubling down, keep arguing, keep complaining, keep calling it a hoax or a witch hunt or whatever. And they will do that. But ultimately, they will crash and they will get knocked out. And uh, I don't get it. I don't understand how they don't realize that. Because it's all about them. They can't focus on what's right. They can't focus on what's ethical or just. It's all about them, their survival, their money, their power. And all of that and whatever they have to do to keep that ball a rolling, that's exactly what they're going to do. Um, so I don't think we should pretend for a moment that there's uh, 
ethics involved here. Yeah, you know, we're seeing a lot of people stepping away from MAGA and Donald Trump and stuff. And uh, I think they honestly believe they can just step away and uh, go another direction. I've said all along that uh, anybody who's still on board now or even six months ago, if they decide to leave, it's too late. That stink is on them forever. No matter what happens, no matter what they run for, what election they're in, somebody's going to bring up, yeah, but you were a Trumper. You were an insurrectionist. You were supportive of misogyny, uh, white supremacy, and anti-Semitism. These people are trying to step away now, but they don't even realize that it's way too fucking late. They're not going to, they're not going to cleanse themselves of this. Well, it's because, uh, to a certain extent, it's because it's a game, right? Yeah. So they think, they think, oh, I'm just going to change the rules of my game and they're going to spin it however they want. Hey, I was on Trump's side until he said he wanted to, uh, abolish the Constitution. And that's where it ended for me. So they're going to find some convenient point where they make the shift, the transition, if you will, to a non-MAGA person in Congress. Uh, from the MAGA person and then just spin it and deny, deny, deny. And unfortunately, there's most of their constituents will believe anything they say. Yeah, you know, what's interesting about this is, though, that they're starting to step back now, largely because it was a failure in the midterms and with Herschel Walker and Raphael Warnock. They weren't ready to turn back or step back when it was white supremacy, misogyny, crimes, impeachments, they were all on board till then, but not until the point they started losing elections. And now they've seen the light. That just tells you how little integrity these fucks have. Yeah, that just points, uh, kind of reinforces what I said earlier. It's just a game to them. And when your starting pitcher starts getting uh, hit hard, by, you know, losing balls out of the park and you've lost the game now because he just started failing. Now you got to go, uh, go a different direction with somebody else. And it's just, it has nothing to do with anything but winning, somehow winning. And when you no longer deliver the victory, hit the bench. You're yeah. no longer, you're no longer on the team. You're no longer relevant. Well, do you think you think that's where Donald Trump is now? I mean, he's going to always have his base that support him no matter what, but that's not big enough to win elections. Do you think people have finally or at least trying to wash their hands of him? You think he's lost enough power where he's just not a factor anymore? Well, I think that there's a certain contingent of people who have washed their hands of him are no longer speaking of him, but there's still a large number of people who still buy into the I'm the victim. I mean, even Trump's even coming out lately, just literally saying, I'm the victim, I'm the victim. Yeah. And there's a lot of people in the U.S. who think they're victims because of their plight in the world, uh, be it that they're poor or uh, they're uneducated or whatever has not happened right in their world. They're, they're the victim so they can completely relate to him. And so they will never abandon Trump no matter what. And... um but if, if you're if you're asking, do I think that there's a mass rejection of Donald Trump? Um, I think of normal folk, if there's such a thing anymore, that 
there's a lot more just not talking about it and are going a different direction without saying so. And I think that there is still a significant number of people who will support him to the dying end, which means if he does run or whatever happens or he figures out a way to divide the Republican Party, I think you're going to find the Republican Party die a whole lot sooner than 2028. Yeah, no, I agree. I agree. You know, it's funny about if you look at it, Donald Trump got a lot of people supporting him because he told them they were victims. They needed somebody to fight for them against the government, the establishment. And so because these people felt like victims, they joined Donald Trump. Now, Donald Trump is in the current state he's in, claiming to be victim. And now all of his followers still believe they're victims. I mean, these MAGA people are based on um, two things, fear and being victims. That's just fucking not healthy. Uh, 100% true. Uh, look at the um, look how the uh, the Nazis and Hitler and in, in specifically um, brainwashed the German people into they were the victims, and it's all because of the Jews and whatnot. And if you just swap out entities, um, their plight, their poor situation in this world is all because of Democrats and socialist ways and you know, that bad person over there, that they're just switching the, the, um, the, the enemy, the target. Right. Uh, but it's the same game plan and they're able to manipulate. Um, and you said it so well earlier that it's, it's whatever they got to do to target people's emotions is how you control the crowd. Right. And if you can do that, it, it it doesn't matter. I've seen the brightest people fall for the whole MAGA crap and believe all the conspiracy things because they hit an emotional note with those people. And that's how they've managed to control them. But because I can be kind of sociopathic in a way, I think I, and like you will say, you control your emotions. I control mine. I go, eh, I know it's crap. It's just yeah. pure crap. I'm not falling for it. I don't let my emotions control my world. And therefore, I can see through all that. Um, so many people can't. Yeah, yeah, it's true. And 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 somehow, somehow, somebody's got to lead the way to to just not allow these people to roll over the top of you. That's why they keep doubling down is because the only strategy they know is to hit you in the face and try to run over the top of you. And then once somebody pushes back, then they're confused. They don't know what to do. And that's kind of the problem. My brother-in-law and other people I've dealt with, uh, they're, they're used to just being the bully and rolling over the top of them. But then when somebody pushes back, they get confused, and then they curl up in a ball and say, oh, you're being mean to me. Um, and then, then people feel sorry for them and then they back off and then they start back up again. At some point you got to out bully the bully, but make sure you finish them first before you walk away. Cause if you don't, they're just going to come back like, like fucking cancer. Yeah. There was, uh, uh, for a while there, there was a strategy. I haven't seen it in a while where they said, well, that's just what I believe. Right. Yeah. And yeah. it's because. Well, you believe what you want to believe and you believe what I uh, I want to believe what I want to believe. But you have to respect what I believe. Right. I don't. And <laughs> I don't. And so I used to say, 
but beliefs do not equate to facts. You can believe all you want, but just because you believe it doesn't mean it's it's true or that it's a fact. And that's the way I used to end those conversations. Um, and then they would have no retort to that, right? They would just uh, they would just have to accept that and then move on. But that's what they were trying for a while, and it's the way they it's just the way I believe. So you have to you have to respect my beliefs. Yeah, no, I don't. Yeah, I had this argument. They were say that they, they, they'll say something to me like, "There's two sides to every story," uh, or you had an argument because well, you had your part and. Uh, I'll apologize for my part. And, and and I sound arrogant when I say that. I said, I didn't have a part in here. We're not talking about uh, theory. We're talking about the difference between right and wrong and truth and lies. If I'm talking about what's truthful and what's what's factual, I don't need to give an inch if you're proposing lies and and untruths. And and it's hard for them to understand that. They think it should be a fair situation. Just because you have what you think and what I have, what, what I think, we should compromise. Now, in a reasonable setting, that's fine. But if you're absolutely wrong and I'm absolutely right or vice versa, the guy who's right shouldn't give in. And and no. that's the problem. They can't identify truth and, and facts. Okay, I'd, uh, I would agree, and I and I listened to when you had the two MAGA nuts on, yeah, uh, uh, Trump with Bucks, um, in your previous episodes, and um, when you confronted them with facts, they were unable to articulate a reasonable response. They have no facts or logical sequence of information that would lead them to. I should say truthful string of information that would lead them to their position. They, they, it's all, let's call it memes, uh, right. uh conjecture, right. just bombastic shit that they just believe without any, uh, substance behind it. And what you're doing is saying, well, no, here's the facts that, you know, repudiate what your belief is and blah, 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 blah. And I conclude, yada, da. And they're like, well, no, but that's not what I believe. They they have nothing. There is no logical response in that conversation. And if I have, and I have discussions with, uh, I have Republican friends that, uh, one in particular who always sends me says, what is your thought on this? I trust you because you're going to dig in and tell me what the facts are behind this thing. And then I'll go, Oh, so at least he has, I, I, I said, why don't you look it up yourself? But okay, I'll do it anyway. So, um, at least I respect him because he goes, oh, that's the truth behind this stuff. And then he moves on instead of just having that. But this is what I believe and just stick to it no matter what without any substance behind it. But if you believe something and you don't know know the truth, aren't you ashamed by it? Aren't you ashamed of that? How can you form an opinion if you don't know the truth? Well, I would agree 100% with you there. That's why it's so confounding to listen to these people because you go, how can they possibly live with themselves believing that nonsense, knowing that there isn't one iota of fact out there to support their position. It's, but that's that sociopathic side of me that just can do that. Well, it's like, it's like somebody walks in the room and, and says uh, the sky is red. Okay. They say, no, the sky is blue. 
And the guy who says the sky is red says, no, you have to respect my opinion. No, bitch, I don't, because all I have to do is look up and see that it's blue. You are wrong. (laughs) I don't have to respect it. I don't have to accept it. I don't have to compromise you because facts are facts and lies are lies. And 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 that they think there's some innate um, innate right that they have that just because they spew it out of their mouth we have to respect it and we have to compromise with them on that and I disagree wholeheartedly. Yeah, they call it their uh, First Amendment right to free speech. <laughs> well, that they can say it. No, no, no. They can say whatever they want, but they also think there should be no consequences, like me thinking they're a dumbass for them saying whatever they want to say or exactly. for them getting in trouble at work because they called their their boss a, a horrible disgusting piece of shit right yeah well it's free speech i should there should be no repercussions for me saying whatever i want to say oh god you better go read the constitution again because that ain't what it says <laughs> <laughs> yeah exactly well you know it's like this whole thing where they keep trying to throw the first amendment out there and uh, you they're trying twitter's the, the the Democrats were trying to stop Twitter from letting us say what we wanted to say. And somebody said that to me, and I said, have you read the Constitution? Do you comprehend the Constitution? Twitter is a private company, or even if it's a public company, it's a company. They can do whatever the fuck they want. It's talking about the government restricting what you say, and they don't grasp that. They think they think that the First Amendment is a cover-all anywhere they are, that not only can they say what they want, that everybody should accept it and respect it. And that's that's where they fucking have a problem. Well, yeah. I mean, the First First Amendment, as you know, it just says, well, the government can't jail you or arrest you for speaking your mind, right? Right. That doesn't mean there aren't general consequences in this world for speaking your mind. You know, and it's you learn this as a kid, you know, you can't go in there and tell your teacher she's a piece of crap or she's a horrible teacher without any consequences. You can't just go to co-workers and, and uh, verbally blast them all day long and expect no consequences, even though that's what you might think. Um, you, you're free to say all that things and not go to jail. But sometimes there's consequences. And I have a really good friend. He's another MAGA guy who says shit just to say shit. And he's constantly at trouble at work because of the shit he says, no matter how I mentor him. You might want to keep that one to yourself, buddy. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. Well, I mean, for example, if I own a restaurant and I have a guy come in the restaurant and he's spewing the N-word every other word, I can throw his ass out and I can keep him out forever. And it has nothing to do with the First Amendment. But that's what they don't get. Yeah, they don't get because they don't. Un- nobody's bothered to learn history, and the reason the First Amendment is there is because back in England, when you used to disagree with the politicians or the king or whoever, and you would speak out, they would arrest you, sometimes kill you, sometimes throw you in jail. Right. Some consequences were going to be paid for you speaking your mind uh, in England, and that's why it was in one of the uh, uh, inclusions in the very first frickin' amendment. Freedom of speech, which means the government can't jail you for speaking your mind or speaking out against the government um, on whatever you think they may be doing, good or bad. I've had people approach me with with, with that concept, and I just look at them and I say, I can't even argue with you if you don't understand what's real. If you don't even if you can't even comprehend what the Constitution is about or what rights are all about, how can I argue with you? It's like arguing with a toddler. You can't negotiate with a toddler because they don't realize any 
and any accountability. They say, I want that food. And I could say, well, it's not good for you. And it's, they don't give a fuck. Give them the food. And it's yeah. like dealing with toddlers. Yeah. If people go back and learn history, they will find that the amendments in the Constitution were written as a reflection on all the bad shit that happened in history uh, for our forefathers, right? right. And what right. they experienced and the atrocities they saw and went, ah, you know what? When we write this song, bitch, why don't we write this so we don't have to be under all that other shit, the crappy stuff, so we have a lot more freedom to do what we think is right um, and, and whatnot. So let's do that. Let, let's take out that whole, I, I want freedom of religion because we didn't have that in England. Yeah, 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 yeah. Freedom of the press. Ooh, I'm liking that one. Let's put that in there. You know, the freedom of speech. Well, let's do that one too, because those are all the ones that we keep getting hurt on in England. Well, that you know, that's the problem we have with the evangelicals. That's a problem we have with the, the, the Republicans. They take a document, whether it be the Bible or whether it be the Constitution, they see something written in it, and they, in their own minds, decide what that means. Whether it means that or not, they decide. They 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 figure out a way that it can mean what they want to want it to mean, and then they fight like hell. It says it's in the Constitution, even though nobody else can see that in in the Constitution. Second Amendment's a good example. They talk about a well-regulated militia. Now that to them says everybody gets a gun, can do whatever they want, and buy as many guns as they want. But it says well-regulated militia. Okay, throw militia out. It does say well-regulated, and that would suggest uh, uh, registration and, and maybe background checks and stuff like that. That would be well-regulated, but they ignore that completely. And it, and it is they 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 just try to create their own narrative, even though there's no basis in fact. That's true. They they create their own definition to suit a end goal. Right, right, and, yeah. And they try to justify it, and you and I, a reasonable mind or a rational boomer, if you will, uh, would look at it and say, yeah, no. And even the Second Amendment, if you go back and look at history um, in the uh, 1700s before we declared independence, uh, less than 10% of people even owned a gun. Right. And most of those guns were in such disrepair that they were useless. And as a matter of fact, when we were going to go fight that war, we had to smuggle in weapons from England and all over Europe into the U.S. And they were all kept in a uh, uh, an armory, right? right. Um, and that's where the people went. And they and that was our, if you want to call it that, that was our first well-regulated militia who got all the guns from that armory to fight the Revolutionary War with, right? They didn't own all those guns. They couldn't afford it. So um, uh, they, they would go to the armory and get it, and that's where the guns were kept afterwards as well. Right, right. you had to check them out. You had to yeah. check them out. Well, it's just like when I was in the army. We had our own armory. We didn't get to go carry our weapons around. It was all in the armory, and we didn't get access to that damn gun until somebody said, you're going to go do some uh, qualification shooting, you got to go into the armory and check it out. And we'll give you the rounds when we get there. Yeah, and you better bring that motherfucker back when you're done, and it better be in good repair. Oh yeah. Well, we're 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 uh, we're ready to wrap things up here on the Rational Boomer Podcast. Joe, thanks for very much for coming by and talking. It's always a, a pleasure to sit and talk to any listener, but especially you in this situation. We have a like mind, and uh, 
Uh, unlike some of those truplicants, you can complete a full sentence and have some <laughs> <laughs> some logic in your thought. So I appreciate that immensely. Well, thanks, Mike. It's been a pleasure to to be here. And again, I I will continue to listen to you <laughs> and and enjoy your shows. It's I, like I, my I, wife I'm... saying to me, "Yeah, I love you today." <laughs> we'll see what tomorrow brings but yeah uh, it, it's been a pleasure mike i appreciate you allowing me to come on it's, no problem it's, it's my it's pleasure always... uh to the folks at to folks at home or wherever you are uh, i appreciate you taking the time to listen to the podcast i hope you have a great day and we will talk to you again tomorrow thanks for listening to the rational boomer podcast don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss an episode We'll see you next time.